everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. It's your guest, Katie Zaccardi. And on today's episode, I have two very special guests. We have Chloe Churko and Stephanie Belcher of Pink Noise Management with us today. We're going to talk about all things money. Pink Noise Management is a boutique firm that allows artists and business owners to focus on the music. They get to create while the team educates and informs their clients on more daunting topics such as financial stability and success. And that is what we're talking about on today's episode. So this is a little bit of a longer episode, so I'll keep this intro short today. But essentially, we are answering all of the questions that you want answers to, like what is going on with the economy? How is this going to impact me? And how can I make sure that I am financially stable and successful no matter what happens? So buckle up. And what I want you to think about as you listen to this episode and do for a little bit of homework after this episode are the following. Number one, what can I do with my finances to tighten things up and make sure that I am spending less? And number two, what can I do to make more money? So maybe that's another stream of income or trying to get a couple more clients or whatever it might be based on what you've learned today, negotiating your salary to make more money. So think about this as you listen to the episode, notice what comes up. And then after it takes some time to journal through and really ask yourself, like, can I negotiate this bill? Can I negotiate my salary? Can I implement a side hustle that I can maybe make more money at so that you can put yourself in the best financial position possible immediately or as soon as possible. (laughs) So I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. And it's fun too, because when it comes to thinking about side hustles and things like that, and multiple streams of income. We're gonna be talking about that a little bit more on the podcast in the next several episodes coming up. And we've got an out to launch Patreon launch coming up. So if Patreon is something that you are thinking about doing as an additional stream of income, then keep that in the back of your head because we're gonna be launching a program where we talk all about that and doing some content on that as well. Patreon is a great way to have another stream of income as a musician. So again, think about it as you listen to this episode might be a really good way for you to bring in an extra source of income. All right, without any further ado, let's just dive into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Out To Be podcast. Hi, thank you for having us. (laughs) So we've got two amazing guests today, Chloe and Stephanie, and today we're going to talk all about money which I love. So (laughs) (laughs) everyone's favorite thing. And also some people's least favorite thing at the same time. And we'll talk all about that today, I'm sure. But before we get into the juicy stuff, can you both take a second to introduce yourselves to the audience? Let's start with Chloe. Yeah, um, I'm Chloe. I own and run Pink Noise Management, which is a business management firm. I'm a technically a Berkeley student still, but I'm almost graduated. This is my last semester. Um, I also run a recording studio here in Las Vegas. I'm based in Vegas and I do producer management, uh, like music producer management. I do a little bit of everything. I handle all the money. I make sure creative people can be creative and as well as I try to develop my own education along the way as if I can. And uh, with the growth of Pink Noise, I hired Steph recently, who now works for Pink Noise, and this is Steph. (laughs) Hi, I'm Steph Belcher. I am primarily a tax preparer, but I also do a lot of bookkeeping and business management. I help Chloe out with what she needs, and then I also teach self-employment skills to musicians. So I help them set up their businesses, 
get everything organized properly so that it's legitimate in the eyes of the state and of the IRS. We set up bookkeeping systems and I also help keep people focused on the task that they are actually good at and set out for. So I have kind of a coaching element alongside that. And I teach at the Detroit Institute of Music Education. I'm currently on hiatus at the moment, um, just due to like everlasting pandemic stuff, but <laughs> I will hopefully be going back there at some point in the next couple of years and picking up uh, self-employment classes again. I did music marketing in the concert space for the first like 10 or 15 years of my career, kind of overlapped a little bit with the tax stuff. So I bring all of that to my teaching and to my business management stuff. And mostly I just want to help musicians get the music out of their heads and down onto tape. So <laughs> I just <laughs> had to age myself People here. People not, might not know what that is now. <laughs> Some people listening are like, what is tape? <laughs> he doesn't know anything. There's no tapes around here. <laughs> I, have this, I have this one friend who's my age. He like just turned 40 and he collects tapes. And it is the funniest thing to see all of his posts about like collecting tapes. I'm like, dude, you know, that tape sounds like crap. Right. And he's like, yeah, that's not what it's about. It's not about the sound. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I live in Michigan and Chloe and I work really well together and I've been listening to Katie's podcast for a long time. So I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. So we've done episodes on money before. But I wanted to do another specifically money-focused episode uh, because, and I'm just going to like go right into it, <laughs> head on. Jump in, girl. There's a lot of conversation right now about impending doom of our economy and, you know, is there a recession coming? Is, you know, watching out for inflation and gas prices? And I want to bring it up right off the bat, not to fear monger, but because so many other people fear monger about it. And so really my first question for you is, do we need to be freaking out about this? <laughs> and then we'll talk about how we can get prepared, but like, what are your thoughts on what may or may not be coming? I'll take this one. I actually, <laughs> I, I watched a webinar that was put on by the Brookings Institute, which it, they're in DC and they're kind of like the economic think tank for a lot of, um, a lot of big name economists and stuff. But anyway, a couple of days ago, I watched this webinar about the recession and the global economy specifically in anticipation of this podcast. Cause I had the same questions that you did and like, do we need to be worried? Yeah. And what they basically said is that it's all tied to energy and food distribution. Mm. And right now, both of those things are in chaos. So at the moment, yes, it does look like we're heading toward some economic difficulty because it's going to be expensive to get food to people. And when that starts happening on a global scale, there's a lot of ripple effects that come down from that. So they talked a lot about Ukraine, Russia, things that we as Americans, we have absolutely no control over what Putin and yeah. Europe are doing with gas and oil. But we do have control over what we're spending, what we're saving, where we're shopping, if we're taking joy rides in our cars when gas is $5 a gallon. 
Yeah. So there's a lot of things. So to answer your question, I wouldn't necessarily be worried about huge, massive layoffs. I don't think so there. That's one of the really big things with a recession is that when inflation, when inflation goes up and interest rates go up, it makes it harder for businesses to get loans, which means that when they run out of cash, they have to cut payroll. Mm -hmm. And when they have to cut payroll, then they're paying less in tax and people are getting laid off and it, that starts a ripple effect too. I don't anticipate massive layoffs in general across the board because there was such a hard time hiring after the pandemic that companies are like, I'm not, I can't lay all these people off. I just hired them and I had to go through hell to even find them. Yeah. And that's a really big piece of whether or not it affects us. Because yeah. if, you know, if you have your day job and you're just going about your life and you're like, I got my day job and it's covering all my bills and everything's great. And then you're also teaching lessons or you have a coaching program or you have a Patreon, then you are worried if you're going to get laid off from your day job, because that affects everything else that you're doing. And it would put more pressure on you to like create in a way that's monetarily sustainable, basically. Um, I think that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I do think that the business I work for is in trouble. I do think that they're going to be layoffs soon. You know, I, I overheard the owners talking about going to the bank and trying to get a loan. You know, those might, if you're getting little red flags about your day job, maybe laying you off, it's not a bad idea to get your resume together, to take control of your financial future, put a budget together, really figure out how much money you need to live, how much money you want to live, mm -hmm. and then start looking and go, you know, toss your resume around a few places, maybe see if there's some, you know, talk to Katie about some ways that you can increase your rates on some of these other side programs that you're doing. But the global economy is just an absolute disaster right now. And I don't see that settling down for at least five years. And I'm like really hesitant to put a time on it because. Yeah, you just don't know. No, I, I can't predict the future. Does that, that answer your nice, question? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. it does. And I think, again, it's important to talk about this though, because just like you said, like, it's not just America, it's worldwide. We cannot control everything that's happening. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out. But with all that being said, it doesn't mean that we have to panic because there are still so many things that we can do in our control to get really clear and honest about our finances. Just like you were saying, figure out like what you need as a baseline, what you want, and then are you there? If not, what do you need to do to get there? And how can you set yourself up for the most success? This is something that I was just doing um, for myself over the last couple months. As my listeners know, I moved to Nashville. And now that like the dust has settled from the move, I'm really starting to figure out, all right, what is my new cost of living? And what do I want it to be more so? You know, now that I found like the acupuncturist that I like, and now that I know my favorite spots to eat and how often I like to go out really just reevaluating how much money do I want or need to bring in in order to be able to save and reach my goals and not feel like I'm like 
pinching pennies or really worried about potential uh, recession stuff that could come. So what I want to talk about now is how we can prepare ourselves for this. What are the things that we should be doing with our money and around our money to be able to set ourselves up for success financially, regardless of what does happen? The biggest thing I'm, I'm seeing and doing to like help prepare people for this, because like Steph said, on the day-to-day as people, we are noticing things going up. Groceries are more expensive. Gas is higher. Like my peanut butter are- was $10 or $8 the other day. And I was like, um, I don't think this is right. <laughs> yeah, Everything's going up, you know, and then that includes the things that we spend our money on. That's a little more fun. Maybe not the baseline necessities to make sure we aren't homeless, but you know, the things like I went to the dentist last week and the service fee had got like the cleaning fee had gone up, you know, everyone's raising their prices from a doctor's office to a coach, to a, uh, a musician's, you know, merch prices are going up. So everything's going up and the things that we want to spend money on outside of our baseline, we want to still be able to buy. So a lot of the things I'm doing to kind of prepare people for that, including myself, honestly, is a lot of my clients and myself are not so great with having a savings account going. So it is important to have a silent savings account somewhere because when things start to increase, you want to be able to have some of that cash flow available. Um, I know it's not always easy for people to do that. And if it's as much as if you're getting a paycheck from a company and you don't have money to put aside for a savings account from your paycheck, find something else to put money, find another stream of income to put into a savings account, even if it's five dollars a month i mean i've been looking a lot not for myself but even for other people just like digital goods you know on etsy you know digital planners digital items that you can sell that are just on the back burner link that account to your savings account so when something sells at the deposit just goes in your savings account you don't have to think about it uh that can include you know lessons i know that's a huge thing doing lessons or even doing a recorded lesson that you can sell just that recorded asset and you don't have to physically be constantly doing lessons with people and take up time either. Um, so finding ways to say, to have a quiet, silent savings account that you don't know, aren't thinking about, you're not touching, it's just accumulating. Investments are really good right now. I know that sounds scary, but the market is kind of low. You know, I don't like to push crypto to my clients because I'm not a financial advisor, but crypto is really low. It might be a good time to get in on that. And again, silently put it in. Don't think about it for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, like don't watch it. Cause that'll stress you out. <laughs> um, putting, so setting up some, some investments, if you can, if you have the money, if you don't have the money, set up a way to start saving some money, because I think we're going to get to a point where like Steph said, it might be five years before we feel kind of stability again. And I think having some cash flow is important. Um, I know people are spending less money on the frivolous things like lessons or courses and things like that. But I also think with the shift of the pandemic, this is my last thing about this, with the shift of the pandemic, I think people are starting to value their quality of life more. Mm. And so I think I've really noticed a shift in many, many, many people that they're starting to realize the quality of life is more important than hustling and working and paying your bills. So I think people are spending more money on those random things like a course or a self-improvement class or a book or a subscription to a podcast because it is benefiting them in their day-to-day whereas I don't I don't think people spent as much they did still spend but not as much on the personal enrichment of themselves people weren't caring for themselves as much as they are now because we all realize this could all blow up one day or you know we're all stuck at home one day we should be in a good headspace for that 
So, so I think having those little start starting now, because we are starting to see those increases now, those extra streams of income, even if it's hundred dollars a month that you're putting aside somewhere, I think that's going to really help is having some of that cash flow available versus living paycheck to paycheck while things are increasing because companies aren't going to increase your salary with inflation. Unfortunately, most are not because inflation is much higher than three, four, five, 6%. I mean, it is going to be insane probably in the next couple of years. So, so, you know, really finding things outside of your main, your main job to make money. And this is a musician's podcast. That's making your music, selling your merch, selling signed lyric sheets. I mean, there's so many things you can do to try to, people are about experiences now I've noticed, you know, doing a zoom once a month with your biggest fans and they, you know, buy into it somehow they get a t-shirt and a zoom or something like there's so many ways to really diversify your income. That's my, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to, Piggyback, piggyback on that real quick. Uh, I have a client, his name is Woody and he plays in this band called Wolfpack and Wolfpack does really well for themselves and they're great. But then whenever Wolfpack plays, Woody is also a bird watcher. And so he'll take people on bird watching tours through <laughs> like Central Park. Mm. And that's one of those little tiny bonuses that the super fans are totally into. And it's just a little extra income stream for Woody. And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're, and we got your gears turning and you're brainstorming on all the fun things that you could do, this is your opportunity to really go crazy and have so much fun and let your true personality shine. If you love dancing, have a dance party with your your fans. If you love art, make art for your fans. Like as a musician, you are a whole person and your true fans are going to love that about you. So this is your opportunity to, to show who you really are from top to bottom and see who's with you, you know? And like, as far as pricing, it goes, just do whatever you're comfortable with, but don't do anything for free. This is not the time to be doing things for free in my opinion. And, um, in addition to that, you know, I just said, don't do anything for free, but one way that you can save money is by bartering with people. I can't necessarily afford to have a cleaning lady in this economy, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to help her with her taxes. (laughs) And that's something that I can do for relatively low cost. Yeah. And I can do it while she's here helping me keep my floors mopped, you know? And like, so there's bartering that you can do. I would also really strongly recommend that people buy things secondhand. Mm. So reverb is great for buying used gear and it's going to be cheaper than it would be new, you know, thrift store shopping is going to be really popular for a little while as inflation, you know, if a, if a new shirt used to be 25 and now it's 40, a used shirt was still, is still 10 or 15 yeah, and always was and continue will continue to be. So, you know, consignment shops have great clothes. Like you can go to like a great consignment shop and get name brand stuff with the tag still on it for less than half of what it is new. And these are the, this is the time to start exploring all those things and to put away any judgment, put away any biases that you have against that, you know, wearing other people's clothes. Um, because it can save you so much money that you can continue to live your lifestyle the way that you want to. Yeah. And, you know, maybe not have to raise your rates as you know, if you were to drop a 20% rate hike on all your clients, they would feel that and you might lose some people. 
but you know, if, if you start shopping at Aldi instead of at Kroger, you're going to save a dollar per item. Mm. And it's a little bit more troublesome because you have to pack your own bags, but that's going to allow you some flexibility in your pricing and some flexibility in your spending. Mm -hmm. When I tell you that I'm like running to Aldi for the first time in my life after (laughs) experiencing the last grocery trip I had at Whole Foods, I was like, I'm never coming here again. Goodbye. (laughs) That's insane. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And it, I, I feel like those stuff that those changes really do make a difference. And also thinking of streams of income, as you were saying, people are buying or you can buy consignment, you can buy used. I have also, since I moved, I have like bags and boxes of stuff that I took with me that I was getting rid of, but just didn't have time to get rid of before I left New York. And so I'm taking the time now to list it on Poshmark and Mercari and Depop and literally there's offer up, there's Facebook marketplace. Uh, There's a new one, Curtsy, I think like all of, by the way, I have referral quotes for all of these, if you guys, <laughs> <laughs> um, all there's like five sites that I have that I just have been listing clothes and miscellaneous things that I just like collected and it clears clutter. It helps me feel better. I personally find it very fun to like pack something up and put a label on it and bring it like a little thank you note when I do my posh I do Poshmark and stuff so I'll put like a little thank you note and stuff but but then you link that to your savings account and you don't think about it yeah you're gonna go donate it anyway or you were gonna like I'm the kind of person I'll be like I don't want to deal with this like I'm just gonna go donate it but then I'm like wait a minute that bag of donations a lot of it does still even have the tags on it yeah let me link that to that random account that I'm not gonna look at or touch so that you know that there is some money there in case of a rainy day or something yeah. happens or you want to buy a house because like you know the market will kind of start to subside a bit you might want to buy a house when it's low if you can afford it and now is the time to start accumulating it but mm-hmm. um but yeah that's I, I I agree there's all the kinds of ways there's a girl I just I mean it's total side note I'll be quick but um I have a girl who does my laundry I hate to admit that publicly but I just don't have time for that (laughs) time is money and if you can I'm not home I physically can't do my laundry I'm never home and I'm I travel in batches so it's always like I just don't have time to catch up so there's this girl she does my laundry she's been doing my laundry for a while I finally texted her and asked her about her a little more and I said do you have any other side hustles that you do because is there anything else that you can possibly do for me um and she goes, no, this is my side hustle. I actually, own, she owns a children's clothing boutique here in Vegas. I had no idea, like a really, really nice boutique. And literally she goes on her way home from work from the store, she picks up people's laundry. And then on her way in to the store, cause she lives on the other side of town, she drops it all off. And she goes, I've managed, I did this on the side to pay for a Disneyland trip for me and my kids and to pay for all these random things. And she says, it kept it just didn't stop. And I'm making good money. She's like, I just put a new garage door in like, yay, adulting just from laundry, doing laundry. Like that's yeah. literally all she does. And it's easy. She does it while she sleeps. Like, you know, she's, it's, it's really, I mean, there are things to do now. I'm not saying everyone needs to go and do people's laundry, but like you said, Poshmark, even just you clean out your garage or you clean out your storage space or whatever you can list that on offer up. I've been selling my old electronics. I accumulate old electronics. That's my hoard. And, you know, it's like selling people want my old iPad from five years ago. I don't know why, but they do and they'll buy it and it's 50 bucks or a hundred bucks in my pocket or on my savings account. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that now's the time to really like, it's hard not to focus on all of the things increasing, but instead of being stressed out about how expensive things are, it's that focus that energy on how can I keep up that cost of keep up with that cost of living. If my job's not going to give me a raise, 
let me think of five other ways I can make some money. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to strip it back a little bit. We had a um, town hall where I just basically got on Zoom and chatted with a bunch of members of my community a couple of weeks ago. And on it, we talked about money. And one of the things that came up was that a lot of people have shame around money, shame that they got laid off during COVID, shame that they um, aren't making what they want to make or aren't really making anything shame that they are making money, <laughs> which seems like people wouldn't have that. But the, the truth is, especially oh, in the music no, industry, a lot of people feel like they shouldn't be paid um, for their art or, you know, they should be doing it for free. Um, shame for maybe having a full-time job while trying to be a musician. And does that make me a real musician if I've got a day job? And so all of these factors come up, plus just the, the, shame that so many people feel. And I know I've been there myself. When you look at your bank account or you look at credit card debt that you have, or you look at just some, you know, this fact that maybe you just completely ignore your bank account and don't even know what it looks like. (laughs) And then when you go to do it, you're like, why am I like this? Or how did this happen? Or I don't want to deal with this. It feels too overwhelming. So from almost like a mindset perspective, how do you recommend we start to work through this judgment so that we can get to a place where we can say, all right, I might not be in the place where I want to be with money, but I can move forward and make these moves from a place of peace and from a place of not beating myself up and feeling really ashamed for what might've happened in the past. Stephanie, you want to take this one first? Yeah, I do. I do. I love this. This (laughs) is probably my favorite topic. Um, So shame at its root is the idea that you're not worthy and that the things that you're being given are, are not undeserved and you shouldn't have them. And that could be something bad that happened to you. I wasn't worthy of that thing that happened to me. I'm a good person, but this bad thing happened to me. And so I'm ashamed that that bad thing happened Mm. and, or it could be the flip side which like you said, was like shame that I'm making money from my music when my friends aren't mm-hmm. or shame because one song went, went viral and I make a bunch of money from one song, but my other ones didn't. So they must not be as good. So I should just quit. And that unworthiness is completely normal. And it is a evolutionary aspect of our social structures where we use it as a way to close ourselves off to other people. And this is all something that I've learned from Brene Brown. She's the expert on shame and vulnerability. If this is something that you struggle with, I would deep, I strongly, strongly recommend that you read um, Daring Greatly or Atlas of the Heart or watch any, listen to any of Brene Brown's TED Talks. Um, because at the root of it is that you are worthy. You are 100% worthy of love, affection, joy, laughter, family, friends, your, a career that you're proud of, a house to live under, food that makes you happy and fills your belly with you know, joy. You are worthy of all these things. We all are. And if anybody ever told you that you aren't worthy of anything, that 
was their fear and their shame and their ego trying to protect them from something. Mm. So with all that being said, we are all going through this together. There's over, there's trillions of dollars of student loan debt, trillions of dollars of credit card debt. We're all at the mercy of Chase Bank, Bank of Ann Arbor, (laughs) Bank. I mean, those, and you like between add in Wells Fargo and like they control all of the money and we are all at their mercy. Yeah. And I don't want you listeners to take it personally that you were born into late stage capitalism and that everything feels really hard because it is not an indicator of your worthiness and what you deserve out of this world. Mm-hmm. You Every single person on this planet has a gift to give that benefits the higher good and sends vibrations into the universe that reverberate to everybody. And it's my, my dying mission. I'm going to die on this mountain to make sure that every single person tells the story that's in their soul so that they can make the world 1% better, just a little bit better. Mm. So all that is to say if you are being really strongly held back by your shame and you really feel like you can't move past it, it's on a deeper level than just being about money. It's, it's more about survival or worthiness or your ego. And so I would encourage you to, to start going deeper. Um, Brene Brown, like I said, talks about this a lot. She's a fantastic place to start. Uh, Gabby Bernstein talks about this a lot. She's my favorite person in the whole entire world besides Chloe. <laughs> and um, she talks a lot about like holding shame and trauma in our bodies and the way that it affects our physicality. And I think a lot of people have shame around that. You know, like I have one favorite guitarist who has wrist problems now mm. and you can see on his face when his wrist starts to hurt, you can see it as stress and trauma. And it's like, his career is so closely tied to his physicality Mm -hmm. that he probably feels absolutely terrified and he probably has shame and he probably feels a whole bunch of things, you know? So if any, if you need, if anybody wants to talk about this, please reach out to me directly. I would love to hop on a zoom call with you. This is like literally my life's mission. So I want to add like, as, um, I always say like, 60% of our job as like business managers is psychologists (laughs) because we, I see that side of it. I see, I'll get a client that will go, I'll be like, so it's like the situation, like, where are your bank accounts? Where's your debt? You know, all the things. And they're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't look, I don't know. I haven't logged in in forever. I'm freaking out. I don't know. Similarly to if you have, you know, say some mental health things you're going through or you're feeling anxiety about not money stuff, just like you sometimes would seek help, right? It's the same thing. If you're in money in a money situation, sometimes you just need to seek a little help from a professional money person. Sometimes it's a matter of just having a consult call with someone like a staff or a me or someone else that you maybe trust or you heard on a podcast and go through your situation. And yes, while it can be difficult and there's shame around it from your perspective, sometimes it takes the perspective of someone like me or a staff to go, oh, it's not that bad. Well, don't be so it's not it's not that bad like this is okay like 
this, this, your debt ratio is actually not that high and you do have some money to start covering this, or maybe, yeah, you're kind of in a difficult spot, but like, here's a really good plan on how to get out of this. Yeah. And sometimes you just need help from someone wiser in that situation. It doesn't even have to be a professional. Like maybe it's your dad who is really good with money or your best friend who's really good with money or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. You know, sometimes you just have to like, as you would in a therapy session, you know, once you get it off your chest and you've made that breakthrough with someone to go, oh, it's okay. Like, like you have another perspective. I mean, that's the reason why a lot of us will go to therapy. We need another perspective. We need to bounce our thoughts and our feelings off of someone. It really is the same with money. You need to bounce your money situation off of someone. And like you said, on the flip side of feeling like you have this overwhelming amount of debt or bills adding up or whatever. It's the same when you have a bunch of money too. I mean, it's, I know it's hard to think of it from that side, but like you said, sometimes people feel the shame of I've made too much money. That's too much. Or my, I'm making money and someone else isn't, or I get the good old, like usually around like October, November, I'll call people and let them know how their year is looking so we can prep for some end of year stuff. And I'll be like, Hey, you made $3 million this year. And they go, Oh my God. I have so much tax to pay. Oh my God. I don't want to make that much money. How do we reduce that? That We can't take in any more money this year, you know? And it's like, yeah. well, you know, yes, that's scary. And it's hard to like celebrate when you're making money, but at the same time, celebrate you're making money. Even if you have to pay taxes, you're still made money. If you're paying yeah. taxes, you have done well. Yeah. Um, I know. You know. I always think it's so yeah. funny when people complain about that. Cause I'm like, Oh, the more money, the more taxes, but I'm like, but it's still the more money. Like yeah, you still have, yes, you might've paid 30% to the government, but you still got that 70%. Exactly. So when, when you feel that shame, just as you would, if you feel depression or anxiety or, and I know not everyone does this, but sometimes it helps to just talk to somebody else who may be in a different situation or may have some more knowledge to go, oh yeah, this isn't great. Like this feels crappy, but here's some really good ways to start adjusting this or tackle some of this debt, or here's the best plan of attack on this debt or, Oh, it's, I mean, that this happens all the time where people are freaking out. They call me, I start to go through their bank statements and I'm like, this isn't bad. Like, this is okay. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, really? You think so? I'm like, yeah, here's why like this, your ratio is not that bad and you're making money and you have this big paycheck coming in soon or this bonus coming in soon. We'll put this straight towards this debt and it's gone and we'll be done by the end of the year. You know? Um, so it, you just seek, seek help, but it doesn't have to be in the traditional sense of, you know, talking to your friend who's also in the same situation or a therapist, talk yeah. to another person who might be doing, talk to someone you admire with their money situation. And maybe it's not, yeah. or someone who does this professionally, and maybe they can kind of ease your brain a bit. Cause I get so many of those calls and then they're like, I had a dream last night, all my money was gone. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay, is there anything else? And they're like, no, that was it. I just want to tell you that. I'm like, okay, well, you got like 40 grand in the bank. So you're good. Have a nice day. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it is just kind of having some, having support. I mean, it really comes yeah. down to having some support, whether it's someone, a business manager, a friend, a parent, a spouse, like having someone to say, it's okay. It's not that bad. Yeah. We and can I, like, through this, you know? I like the distinction you made too, of it, not necessarily being someone who's in the same situation, because I do think that commiserating, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it can be, Commiserating can certainly be helpful now and then to just be like, oh, I just need a vent. I'm feeling so shitty and say it to someone who gets it. But when you are consistently doing that with someone and all you're doing back and forth complaining, I'm so broke. I'm so broke. I'm never going to get ahead. I've, you know, so much debt or whatever it is. 
And that person's just saying, me too. Oh my God, it sucks. We're so screwed. Like everything's out to get us. Like the music industry sucks. You never actually move forward and you just stay in this place of complacency and of feeling shitty. So being able to talk to someone who, like you said, will get it, but will also be able to kind of like pick you up and keep you feeling feel inspired after talking about it you should feel like okay I got this like this is what I'm gonna do to start this is the payment I'm gonna make on this credit card now I will say if you have not logged into your bank accounts lately or into your credit cards or your student loans or wherever your shame is you're feeling your shame from the only thing I can recommend to get through that it's like ripping a band-aid off it's what I like to call the exposure therapy of the financial world you just have to do it. It sucks. Log in, make a spreadsheet, put in all your debt, put your minimum payments in, put your interest rates, pay off the high interest rate first, the highest interest rate first, start tackling that. But there's no easy trick to like get through that. You really just do it with a friend if you need to, or do it with someone you do admire, look up to. Can you help me? Can we log into these? Can I show you this right now? You know, do what you need to do. Call me. I'll go through it with you. We'll do a zoom call. You can screen share. We'll make a list, but um, you know, it is a matter of you just have to do it and you just have to do it repeatedly. I used to have that shame and I would go through, I set two days a month, I would log into everything and I would just make sure everything's looking good. Everything's okay. Or everything's not okay, but like, I need to make sure it's not worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, set those two days a month where you're kind of just giving yourself that little bit of exposure to it, to where you're at a point where you can log in at any day, any moment, and you know, it's there and you know, it might be scary, but you know, you have a better handle on being able to look at it, but you got to just rip that bandaid off, unfortunately, the first time. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I want to tell a story about this because financial professionals are not immune to this exact thing right here. And I was going through it myself. I had been in tax for 10 years, almost 10 years. And my husband and I had a home equity loan and student loans and credit card debt and car loans. And it was just completely overwhelming to me. I had no idea how, how to get through it. And I ended up calling one of those debt consolidation companies and it was a nonprofit one. And they, I was, I was sitting right here. I I was crying. You know, I was telling them my whole sob story about how we got into this situation and, and everything is so difficult. And, um, by the end of it, you know, we went through every single debt I have. And by the end of it, she said, okay, So in order for us to tackle this debt for you, the amount that you would have to pay per month would be $275. Does that sound like something you can do? And I was like, well, yeah, like I'm already paying that in my minimums. And she's like, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to call all these companies on your behalf and ask them to reduce things and blah, blah, blah. And so, and then I stopped and I was like, wait, I could do that myself. Mm. And I, I felt empowered by what they were telling me to do. And so I did it. I called every single company and I was like, hi, I'm having a really hard time. And saying that was hard the first time, but then the second time it was easier. And the third time it was totally fine. And I got through, I think we had like 11 different accounts or something. And I ended up settling with a couple and I ended up um, getting a few interest rates reduced. And I ended up skipping a couple months. I had some forbearance that I didn't know about on my student loans. And so, you know, when you're, when you're asking for help, you can also ask the companies directly, what can you do to help me? Because they trust me, they do they not want the money. They, they don't do not want to write you off. They yeah. do not want to write you off. And so they're willing to help you as long as you answer the phone. Mm. And if you're, if you got debt collectors calling you all day long, you know, the anxiety of looking at your phone and seeing eight missed calls or whatever, 
one one time take that one second of bravery and answer and say I can't pay you and I don't know what to do because they have a whole script I mean, the computer they're looking at, they're going to check the box that says, I can't pay. And then there's a whole script and there's, there are options. So yeah, absolutely. Echoing what Chloe said, find somebody that you can talk to. There's this one company that I really like the structure of it, but it's not widely available. It's called the financial gym. And it's based on the model of personal training where you go into your personal trainer and you basically get naked in front of them. And then they tell you all the different areas where you can improve. And that's what they do at the financial gym. I, they don't have like a very strong presence here in Detroit. So I haven't personally used them. Also, I kind of just got through it all on my own, but um, I really like that attitude of it, of like stripping everything back, you know, because when you ask somebody for money help, they're going to ask you every single dollar that you're spending. And that's, that's the phrase that Dave Ramsey uses. Every dollar, every dollar has a home, every dollar has a purpose. And then it's up to you to have the discipline to actually send that dollar where it's going. Mm -hmm. And that having that kind of control actually feels really, really good. And it's really empowering. So, you know, if you find somebody that can help you and you decide you're going to figure out where every dollar is going to go and you're going to call all the companies you're going to feel better just because you're taking action and everything else starts to kind of zip itself up in your life. As you decide that you're ready to like tackle this problem and really move forward on having a financial future that you're proud of. So many good things in there. And one of the things that I want to go into a little bit more is things that we can do when, for people who are feeling like really lost and helpless and the every dollar thing is such a good tip because I feel like one of the things that everyone can do, but especially if you're feeling really hopeless is every single purchase you make, like, don't just swipe the card. Cause it's so easy to just swipe the card. I know I did it for a while, swipe, swipe, swipe. And then I was looking at my credit card statement and be like, who, who did this? Yeah. <laughs> there must've been fraud on here. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, like I knew it was me and I knew I was doing it when I was doing it. But, um, now I'm in a place where like every single purchase is conscious. I even, um, had my friend pick up Chick-fil-A for me the other day. And then he was like, Oh, it was like $12. And I was like, $12 for Chick-fil-A. I could have gotten like a burger from the nice restaurant next to me. And so I'm like, next time I know that, it doesn't feel in integrity for me to necessarily pay this amount unless it does, right? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but it's like, it's really helpful to just before every purchase sit and think like, do I feel completely aligned sending this money to this place? Is there a way for me to do this cheaper? Like buying it secondhand or buying it used? Is there a way for me to honestly wait? Like sometimes we buy things because we're like, I just want the instant gratification. Like, you know, I just saw this really cool $100 tea kettle online and I'm just like obsessed with it and I want it right now. But thinking like, do you need this right now? And is this a, an aligned purchase based on your financial goals? Sometimes it is. And you're like, yeah, honestly, I have a shit ton of money lying around and I want this tea kettle and I'm going to buy it. And sometimes it's like, at the end of the month, I'm going to feel really mad at myself for putting that $100 here instead of 
paying off my debt or putting it towards savings because I'm in a place where I feel really stressed again and again and again, right? So I love that tip, but again, and similarly at the at town hall, one of the other things that came up was people saying, I just like feel like I have no money. Like I'm paycheck to paycheck or I'm really struggling. And for those people, it's hard to hear advice of, oh, well just, you know, even if it's $10 or a hundred bucks, put it in savings. Cause they're like, I don't even have that. Like, I do not know what to do. So what would you say to people, Steph, you, you kind of started to go into it with like yeah. calling the debt companies and whatnot, but what would you say to people who are in a place where they're like, I either have a really low paying job. So such that I'm truly paycheck to paycheck, or I don't even have income right now, or I'm just feeling really lost about it. And I don't know how to make my financial situation better. So I feel like those are kind of two different things. The low paying job one, we're going to come back to, but the other, the, the one where you're like, I'm working and I'm making money, but I don't know where it's going. And I feel like I'm paycheck to paycheck and everything feels out of control. I can only say what, what really worked for me in this experience. At least that's the only thing that I can like really talk about. And that was completely switching to cash. Mm. I went full cash for a year. And the only things that I still paid online were my mortgage my, you know, my loans that came out of my bank account automatically and, um, you know, like my utilities, everything else had to go cash, Eat, grocery store, all spending, all gas. So when we would get paid and I'm married, my husband has a IT, he's a VP in IT. So we're not talking about s- small amounts of money in, in my case, but I would go and pull all the cash that wasn't earmarked for a bill that was automatically coming out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was $500. Sometimes it was $1,200. And I would just put the cash down. And then I did the envelope system. I would put the cash into envelopes. So like, okay, if I know that at the end of the month, I'm going to have to pay the water bill, which only comes quarterly, I need to put $300 into the water bill. And I'm going to stick it over here. This method is, it's a pain in the ass. I'll be honest with you because you have to go get cash and then you have to sort through it, but it is so tactile and it's Mm -hmm. so, you can't argue with it. When you're out of cash, you're out of cash. Yeah. If you're not comfortable cutting up your credit cards, stick them in a cup of water and freeze it. it, (laughs) Literally, I had a stack of credit cards stuck in a cup of water and eventually I ended up can you use them after or are they like, well, I had to move them. I had to remove them from my Google pay. I, you know, I took them out of my phone, um, but I didn't want to close them. I didn't want to cut them up. I was scared to do that. I did end up cutting them up at, at, up until like a month ago, we were completely credit card free. And um, like when we started this journey, we had $30,000 in credit card debt. And I, I just needed to tackle that, you know? And so I went full cash and that gave me the opportunity to see what was left over every month. Yeah. Because I actually literally had it in my hand. And it was the thing where my husband would be like, can I spend $100? And I'm like, no, we only have 80. And he knew that we had more money and more money was coming and he could have used the credit card. But when you have it physically in your hand, it's just a different mentality. Yeah. So that's what worked for me. And then by doing that, I had to allocate everything. So I, the way that I do my spreadsheet is I have income and a positive number at the top. And then I have all expenses as negative numbers at the bottom. And I make the sum at the bottom be zero. 
And so there's not a lot of wiggle room in there. And I stopped pulling cash and it all got out of control because it would be like, okay, mortgage, utilities, car payment, church, you know, like whatever it was spending money on. And then it would be like $400 left over. I would go get that $400 and my bank account would be at like $50, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that for some people, for some people they're like, my bank account's always at $50. And some people are like, I would never let it get that low, mm-hmm. but it was an everyday, all day mental excursion for me that like immersion therapy, I just, I had to do it this way. And it changed my whole entire mindset on everything. And now, um, like I had Kohl's or um, Old Navy cash. I have $70 of Old Navy cash that has to be spent by the 24th. And I was like, my husband's name's Jeff. I was like, Jeff, you know, get some Old Navy stuff. We got to spend this Kohl's cash. And he's like, I don't want to spend any money. Old Jeff would have been like, okay, cool. Here's $500 worth of Old Navy stuff. Put it on the Old Navy credit card and use the $70 of Kohl's cash that barely even makes a dent in it. Mm-hmm. And we'll worry about it later. But now he thinks of it as tangible cash that he wants to keep. Yeah. And that we wouldn't have gotten there if we hadn't gone cash. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I have started doing as well um, is getting like a Venmo debit card type thing where you can like transfer money. Cause when I moved, especially like I had been, I mean, I just like refurnished I furnished my entire apartment and it cost me a lot. <laughs> and then after yeah. I was like, um, I, this is not like sustainable. Like I cannot spend this amount, but like when you get in the habit of just being like, yep, 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 yep. Just like you said, it's like, you have to break that habit. And so I was like, it's getting hard for me to track how much I'm spending eating out shopping, just like buying random things. Like my expenses, my recurring expenses, I have down pat, but the other miscellaneous stuff was just getting like away from me. So I've tried just like transferring it to a specific card and like only using that. An allowance for yourself on a card. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, I'm going to spend like $200 this month on literally whatever the hell I want, but it's like in that whatever the hell I want category. And when that's done, it's not a matter of like, oh, but whatever. It's like, no, yeah, you're going to just go over and you don't, I don't want to do that. Right. Like if I, if I continue to spend and spend and spend out of this amount, I'm not going to feel good about it, but it can be really hard to track. Um, and I even also started using my debit card for, um, purchases only and not credit cards just so I could track it a bit more and like, see, I find with credit cards, like sometimes you don't see the amount in your bank account going down. Right. So it doesn't feel like you're spending that money. And so just, just again, to break that habit, I was like, okay, I'm going to change up how I'm spending things because I don't want to put anything else on my credit cards. And I, and when I do, I spend more. And so until I can get back in the habit of what I now want to spend, I started using my debit card and highly recommend, <laughs> but that's what I do. I'm not a fan of the cash system because one, it's really time consuming as stuff, you know, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I would like a paper trail. I'm a huge proponent of paper trails. And when you're paying cash, yes, you can, I don't want a box of receipts in my bedroom kind of thing, but I did basically the cat, like what the two, what you guys do together. That's what usually I do. I usually have a couple of accounts that have purpose. Yeah. You know, this is my mortgage and my overhead bills account. This is my account for all my pet expenses. This is my account for my spending money. And I use I put little post-it notes on my cards and those are the cards I use for those things. Same with credit cards. Cause 
I'm a huge, you have to take advantage with cash. You can't take advantage of points and accumulating points or cash back and stuff. And so with the credit card, same thing, I'll write out, I'll look for the month. My discover card changes every month. So I'll get a little post-it note on my discover card, gas, you know, gas, groceries, eating out, eating out or takeout or whatever. And I know I'm going to get 5% back and I'll only use it for those things. And then same thing, if one's like travel, whatever, you know how those like five times, whatever rewards yeah. were. So yeah. I, I kind of do it to a degree, but I don't take out the physical cash. I think I really like it. And I watch the cash TikToks where they're sorting. I love it. It's so therapeutic. Yeah, it's soothing, like, but I cannot do it. <laughs> yeah, it's very soothing. But I, I also really like to take advantage of like points and miles and all those kinds of things too. So, so it's like a hybrid of what you're saying, yeah. but then allocating those accounts. So you can still see that number go down. If your Venmo debit card is $200 on it for the month, that's all you can spend on going out to eat and whatever you're yeah. allocating it for. And if it's gone, it's gone. And your credit cards, I didn't cut them up and I didn't freeze them. I just put them in a drawer that I could forget about them up high, you know, kind of thing. You have self-control. Until I, can, I have, <laughs> I, well, I didn't at that time, but um, I have definitely, I mean, that it's a, it's a practice. You have, you learn yeah. self-control by practicing. And so, yes, yeah. I definitely had, you know, relapses where I went and dug up that credit card to buy something, um, you know, the odd time, but eventually I got used to it. And now my credit cards are slowly closing on me because I haven't used them in years <laughs> where it's like, oh, your card, if you yeah. don't use your card by August, we're closing it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I personally have, I never used any of my points. I never used any, like the cash back. I would just roll it back into the whatever, but my husband refuses to fly. And so oh. I can't find a card that benefits my lifestyle. Like, you know, what would be an amazing credit card is 5% back on your childcare fees or 5% mm -hmm. back, yeah. you know, like if you, if you put your, if you put your pediatrician pediatrician appointment on the credit card, you're going to get 5% back. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, for some people, the, the points are amazing and it's worth the $650 annual fee. And you get more than that. Like I would just read this travel article where if you have this one specific Amex, you don't have to check out at 11, you yeah. get late <laughs> checkout automatically because yeah, you are worth it. it. Yeah, yeah, some cool. sometimes if you have the lifestyle that if you're living that yeah, lifestyle, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you, you know, if the idea of going full cash just scares the hell out of you, there's other ways to do it, like moving things into different online accounts, like Ven a Venmo credit card, PayPal has debit cards, Cash App even has a debit card. Yeah, so Cash App can, debit card. Yeah. yeah, you can like move stuff around. You can open multiple different bank accounts under nestled under your same bank account. There's like lots of different options. It's really, it has to be what works for you or you won't do it. Yeah. If it's not, if it doesn't fit seamlessly into your lifestyle and you use the rewards and you actually follow through on the system, you're not going to do it. You're going to quit. And then you're going to have more shame because you quit and now you're a failure and a quitter and you're such a loser and you're never going to get better. And it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Just try something different. Just yeah, keep if you try something and it doesn't work, that does not mean you have no control and you can't deal with it. You've just, it's like weight loss. It's, it's like dieting and weight loss or exercising or whatever your goal is for your body. It's the same thing. If, if it's not working, it's not working, not because you suck at it. It's not working because it's not the right fit for you and you need to try a different option. Yeah. Um, so it's the same with the money. If the cash doesn't work or if the cash 
does work, stick with the cash. If it doesn't work, try something different. If that's not working, try something different. Talk to other people. Again, I think there's a lot of taboo around talking about money where people don't want to talk yeah. about it. Talk to your friends about it. Make Have that conversation. It might be awkward at first to be like, yeah, I made $3,000 this month, but like I spent 4,000, like, I don't know what to do. You know, it might feel weird, but sometimes someone might come to you and go, oh, well, you know what I do is I do this. And you're like, that's brilliant. I didn't even think of that. Like you have to talk about things. You can't fix everything yourself without any knowledge or any, you know, know-how. You have to talk yeah, to your friends yeah. about it. Talk to your parents about it. Talk to whoever about it. Talk to a professional about it. Call yeah, staff, yeah. call me. We'll talk about it. You know, just yeah, like- talk about it all day. Like talk, because again, it's like any other thing. You have to brainstorm. You have to get under control. And if you, you know, talk about it, someone might have an idea you didn't think of. And you're like, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. And in our culture and in the music industry, especially, it's like, don't talk about money. But the more you don't talk about it, the more ashamed you'll become or the harder it is to get through it. But when you do just be lay it all on the table and say like, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm struggling with. How can we talk about it? It takes the shame out of it. It takes the struggle out of it. And you can get those tips. I'm here for the wage transparency movement. Like I love watching those TikToks where they're like, this is what I do. This is the company I work for. This is how much money I make. And it's, it's so great because so many people, it's brought so much good of people going, oh my God, I do the exact same job in the same state or for the same industry. And I make 10,000 less. I'm going to ask for more money because I should be making more. Like the only way we're going to know if we're doing something not wrong, but if something's not quite right is by talking to other people that are in similar situations, similar jobs, similar parts of their lives. If you know, it's, you can't talk to necessarily a person who has $3 million mansions and a family and four wives and that they're not in the same financial situation as, as you might be. And so talk to other people who are similar or like slightly above, because then you can get some advice too at the same time. But, but you have to talk about it. We have to talk about how much money we're making. We have to talk about what we're spending so that we can either one, get relief that we're all on the same page or see what, who's, who needs to improve somehow, or who needs to go back to their boss for a raise. So I want to go back to the question about if someone has no money or is, is not making enough to cover what their expenses are, or are like completely paycheck to paycheck. What are some moves that they can make to put themselves in a better place. <laughs> Take it away. Similarly, similarly to how, this is the first thing I do with people when they come to me on a different scale, but same. Similar to how Steph said, she called her debtors and went, I can't pay this, What I need help, what can I do? I do the same thing for everything else. Internet, phone, yeah. like literally everything. What you're paying, if you've been in your phone bill, and you have never called them and been like, I'm paying too much. I just saw this intro rate. That's $50 a month. And I'm paying 150 a month. Like, how do I get that? You need to call everybody, anybody you're on a reoccurring bill with phone, internet, cable. I can't even think of all the things, all the things you all need to the call things. them insurance, car insurance, car insurance house insurance. Yeah, pet insurance. If you have, a, if you have pet insurance, if you have a business, business insurance, workers comp insurance, like anything you're paying for reoccurring that could increase every year or decrease, you need to call them. And this is my, this is my best trick. And I love this. My favorite internet. We, most of us pay for internet if we're living on our own. Right. Mm -hmm. I call them and the intro rates always cheaper, but they always go, well, you're an existing customer. You can't get the intro rate. I'll call them and say, hi, I just saw this intro rate. I'll play dumb. And they'll go, well, you can't get that. Cause it's the intro rate. You're already an existing customer. 
I go, how long do I need to be canceled for to be considered a new customer? I ask this question every time. I, it's probably in my notes on my file somewhere with my internet company. And they'll go, 30 days. And I go, okay, I'd like to cancel for, thir- I'd like to cancel. And then I'll call back in 30 days and I'll reapply with the new intro that you're giving. And then they go, oh, well, let me just talk to my manager one second. <laughs> and then they come back and they go, oh, well, we were able to get you into, maybe it's like $5 more than the intro rate, but it's $30 more than what I'm paying yeah, or $30 yeah. less than what I'm paying. And then they'll go, if you don't cancel, we'll just give you this rate for the next 12 months. I'm like, okay, thanks, bye. And then I do that 12 months later, I set a reminder hi, how long do I have to cancel to be considered a new customer? Oh, 30 days. It's usually 30 or 60 days. Okay. I'd like to cancel. Yeah. I'd like to cancel. I'll call back in 30 days. And then they're like, oh, let me talk to my manager again. (laughs) That's number one is like renegotiate, not even your debt, but your actual bills, your insurance, your car insurance, requote, everything should be requoted once a year. Mm. Everything. I do this annually. I do it for my clients annually. Everything needs to be requoted once a year because your everything will go up every year. It's just the way you car insurance, it's always gonna go up even if it's 20 bucks. And it's easy to go, oh, it's $20, like whatever. I'm not gonna worry about it. It's $20 this year, like across 12 months, not a big deal. But it you do that for four or five years. Yeah. Now that's a hundred dollars, it's hundred and fifty dollars that has gone up over time. So I every year when I get my renewal for I just got it, my renewal for my car insurance, I'm like. Time to requote, 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 and try to bundle if you have renter's insurance or house insurance. Like yeah. hit hit those big bills first to try to bring down your overhead. And then, like Steph said, the topic of I'm not making enough money. Um, that's a whole other podcast, honestly, on on you're not making enough money and how to increase that. If your job's not paying you enough to live, you need to start looking for another job. And they're they're out there. It might take time, but it, it's time to get your resume together. You can still work your other job. You don't got to tell anyone you're looking for a job, but it's time to start looking for another job. Because yeah. again, if you get a raise, your raise isn't going to be 20, 30%. But if you change jobs, it probably will be. Yeah. If not more. I, I also watch those TikToks where they're like, here's how I made six figures in five years. And it's like, moved companies, moved companies this year, moved companies the next year. The only way you're really going to see that huge increase if you're not working for like a mom or pop that has a lot of control over the wages is going to be moving companies and changing your job. And then extra sources, extra streams of income. If you want to go on that vacation, get your, clean out your closet and get on Poshmark, (laughs) you know, like, but yeah, I mean, if you're not making enough and you're feeling that constantly year over year, it's time to move. It's time to find a new, a new company to work for that will pay you more or to, or to ask your boss for a raise. A lot of people don't ask, especially women. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't even ask. And sometimes you just have to ask. I have a rule. If anyone don't take this stuff, cause you're new still, but if anyone asks me <laughs> for a raise, I generally will give it to them. If I, if, if they're doing a good job, I will give them a raise if they ask. And sometimes I won't purposely give raises until they ask. And then when I hear like flutter, they're like, I'm not making enough money or I haven't gotten a raise in two years. I'll go, oh, that's weird. You should ask, you should ask about that because I want to empower people to ask. You need to ask you almost, what's the worst that will happen? They say no. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to lose your job over it. If you say, hi here, I've been here five years and I've only actually gotten a 50 cent raise an hour. Like I I really think that with the market and inflation and the economy we're in, I'd I'd really like to make a little more, like, you know, have that conversation. You have to ask. Yeah. yeah. When I, I got a CPA, I got a job at a CPA firm a few years ago. And during the interview, he said, how much money do you want to make? And I gave him my gut reaction, which was, I said, a hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, that's a bummer. 
He said, I was going to offer you 200 million. Yeah. (laughs) And that sticks with me because that's so true is it's like people who are hiring you are going to pay you what you say you Mm -hmm. need. Yeah. And they're going to go, okay. And if it's lower, you're going to be like, okay, cool. And you're like, great deal for me. I was going to pay her 40,000 a year, but she only has for 25. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the best jobs you're going to have aside from being self-employed, I do want to talk about how to do this if you're self-employed, but the best jobs that you're going to have are the ones where you can talk transparently about this. When Chloe was hiring me, we sat down with a spreadsheet and I showed her, I was like, these this is my daycare cost. This is this cost. And I it was, was like, the weirdest job interview ever, but, yeah. it, was the best. <laughs> but it was perfect because we know we both know about money. So it's, it's not, I'm not playing the negotiation game. Um, and so it was just like, what do you need to live? And what, how do I value? Like, what can I afford as a business owner? You know, obviously yeah. you can't necessarily do that with your current boss, but you might be surprised if you do put together a little spreadsheet, what they, how they react of yeah. like, this is what I'm making now. This is what I really want to make. This is what that might mean for you, you know, but you have to ask. And yeah. so bring the overhead down because, and, and you can control some of that. You can't control it. You might not be able to bring it down a thousand dollars a month, but you can bring it down, bring down your overhead and start to prepare yourself for how you can make more money, whether it's a new job, a side hustle, if you're self-employed, preparing to raise your rates, getting new customers, you know, or clients or however you're, if you're a musician, how to get more fans, you know, you have to just start to rebalance it because if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're feeling like I'm just making enough, you need to change something. If it happens, if it's consistently happening, you need to change something, bring down your overhead, increase your, increase your income. I mean, same yeah. thing, because I, I always compare like money to health. Same thing, calories in, calories out. Make yeah. more money, you know, spend less money, but it's not so much spending of like, well, oh, I won't go out to eat this week. It's yeah. like, no, call your cable company and tell them you're canceling your cable until you're considered a new customer yeah. and they will renegotiate yeah. your cable. I mean, even just looking at a cheaper companies, like, so I went to Paris almost a year ago. It was September of 2021. And I switched phone plans at T-Mobile because I wanted an international plan for the month as opposed to having to like get a French SIM card for one month. It just like wasn't worth it. So I was paying more for that month. And then I called them when I got back and I was like, all right, take me off this plan. Just put me on your lowest one. And it was $65. And over the last couple of months, I told you, I was like doing a check-in with my expenses and just thinking like, how much do I really need to be paying for all this stuff? Like, you know, regardless of how much money someone is making, get your expenses as low as you can, because then it's yeah. more money in your pocket, like always. That's and what the wealthy people do. Is exactly. They are like the um, most popular car of millionaire is like a Honda Civic. Yeah, yeah. Because, like why not, right? And especially for a phone company. So after literally almost being on this phone plan for a year, I looked into it and I switched back to what I was on before briefly, which was Visible. And Visible is one of those companies where it's like, buy Verizon and it's all online and there's no stores. So it's cheaper and it's 40 or $45 a month. So that's at least $20 a month that I'm saving. And it might seem not worth the effort. It might seem like it's not that much, but when you think of $20 every single month, like that is a lot of money, right? It's, it's, it's over $200. So a year, it makes a difference. And it usually is not as much effort as you think it's going to be to actually like call and switch. And yeah, it takes effort, but those changes are so worth it. And 
I literally think I have better service now. I'm not even joking. So like, <laughs> if anyone here listening or anyone is an LLC, like a self-employed business, I'll do you in better. Go to one of your, those phone carriers, wherever, and get a business plan under your business name. Mm-hmm. Because those, mine's 35 a month because I have a, I have a small, they have like, it's called like the small enterprise plan. And it's like zero to five phone lines under your business's name, 35 a month because everything. So, so people don't think of that either when they're self-employed, they, they go get personal phones, go get one. You need your phone to do your business. Go get a phone under, under a business plan. And that way, if you do add more lines later, it's cheap, but um, you know, even if you have one line, you can still get a business plan. A lot of places, like, like a lot of the main ones, Verizon, T-Mobile, all that kind of stuff. Um, and same with internet. Sometimes, sometimes, not always, sometimes a business plan is cheaper. So if you are self-employed, um, don't forget that you have leverage with your business to get cheaper things, things, things yeah. down less too. Yeah. yeah. And so the last question is, uh, like we're kind of leading into as a self-employed person or a business owner, which many musicians are, many coaches are. We have a lot of musicians and coaches listening to this podcast. What are your tips for upping our income? And I will preface this too by saying, I remember listening to Chris Harder's podcast recently, and he's been talking a lot about the economy and what's coming and him being like, this is a time to like, start your side hustle, start your side hustle, start your side hustle. And I was like, I have a main hustle and that it, like, <laughs> I'm like yeah. I don't have time to like start a side business on top of my business business like that's just not gonna work and for like weeks and weeks and weeks I was like I see where he's coming from talking about um why it's important to have two streams of income or multiple and as a business owner technically I have multiple in terms of multiple programs but it's all coming from my business right now and it took me so long to be like oh I guess I could babysit or walk dogs or do something that's passive if I wanted to make extra cash in this way and it's, that's like the side hustle thing, but it's hard as business owners, when you feel like I'm putting all of my time and all my energy into this thing and everything is on me and I want to make more money, but like, there's only so much it feels like is in your control to do that. So what tips do you have for business owners right now who might be wanting to expand their income? They're already working their asses off doing what they're doing in their business. So there's two, there's really two different mindsets of how to increase your income. And that is either to increase your rates Mm -hmm. on the thing that you're already selling and bump up your rates or scale. And that means that you're reaching more people. Mm -hmm. And those two things can work really well in combination with each other. But what it all really comes back to is the two elements that are motivating you and driving you, which are your skill set what you're naturally good at, what people keep telling you you're good at, what people keep asking you to do. There's a thing in the world, a gift that you were given that you're really, really good at. And if you have, if you've been able to do that good, that thing in your passion, you're living the dream, right? Like, like Katie, you're doing it in the music business and Chloe's doing it in the studio and in, in pink noise. And I'm doing it in tax. I don't only do musicians taxes. I also do taxes. I'll do taxes for anybody who asks. I have a boutique that I work with. I'll do, you know, dentists and lawyers and, and really anybody. So if there's something that you're really, really good at and you can do it, do more of it, 
the fact that you're really good at it means that you can be paid a premium for it. So if you have an education, if you have a degree, if you have a master's degree or any kind of advanced learning, these are all things that can help you bump your rates up. So like if you were to go get hired doing, this is how I like to tell people to think about it. If you were to go get hired doing the thing that you're good at, at a big company that's going to pay you an hourly salary, how much would they pay you? You know, do research on salary.com. If I was going to go do taxes for a big time accounting firm, I would probably make somewhere between 35 and $50 an hour. So knowing that it's like, okay, what can I charge people to do this if I'm not at a big company? And then it becomes balancing that skill set and balancing the value with the expenses and the liability. And it all kind of becomes a factor. But there's models for this. It's not, we're not making up these numbers and just pulling them out of thin air. If you go take, if you're a piano teacher and you were to get hired at Axis Music Academy or School of Rock or, you know, somebody, some big national company, how much would they pay you? Take that number and triple it mm. because that's your wage. And then there's fees associated with getting paid taxes and insurance and all of those other things. And then profit first, profit yourself first. So I always triple everything. And so I bill out at 125 an hour when I'm doing taxes for people. And I know that that sounds really high, but a CPA is going to charge you 250. And so then people come to me instead of a CPA, because I'm half the cost, mm -hmm. but it's still 125 an hour. And that, you know, sounds like a big number. Some people listening to this are like, LOL, <laughs> I could never charge 150 or 125 an hour. And then I was, I was doing this exercise with a piano teacher in Brooklyn and he was charging 75 an hour, I think for a piano lesson. And then he was like, I just found out that other piano, piano teachers in town pay charge 150. Mm. And I said, could you go up to 150 right now? Or would that shock all of your current clients. And he's like, right. no, I couldn't do it right now. So we had to talk about how to do it incrementally, you yeah. know, $5 here, $20 there, but work up toward that market number and make sure that you're not selling yourself short Yeah, because you have a skill set and it's important. And then with regards to the passion part of it, if you're only, if you have a skill set, but you're only doing it in your, in your passion, and you're really struggling with that because the music business is kind of in a lot of turmoil right now, <laughs> maybe make amends with the music business, forgive the music business for being the way that it is and see if you can diversify a little bit. Yeah. Maybe you work with dancers, maybe you work with artists, maybe you work with chefs or realtors, or you do what you do, but expand out to like one more circle of people, you know, find some other thing because that skill set is valuable and it's not only valuable to the thing that you're passionate about. You also have to like, you might have to go beyond. Right. Like Jay-Z is not only a rapper. He has a, a bunch of different companies. He's in alcohol, he's in fashion, you know, like he owns venues and sports teams. He, Jay-Z would never sit on a podcast and be like, oh yeah, musicians should only work in music. It just, it, it just doesn't really, it's just not really a realistic mindset in this current economy. 
Mm -hmm. So that that's where we kind of get into scale is it's like, how can we sell the product that we have that we're really good at, whatever that is, if it's a course, but we sell it to more people who need it aside from just this narrow group of people. Love that. Yeah. And I think it is so important for musicians listening, like coaches, it's easier to think, okay, I could serve a slightly different niche or expand my niche or think about things that way. But musicians might be thinking, well, I can gig and I can do streams. Like how much more is there? And there's a lot more. I mean, first of all, there's, you can have a job that's outside of music that helps support you to live. And I think that we all need to acknowledge that like music industry or beyond sometimes like, well, not even sometimes. I mean, it's case by case on what you feel is best for you, but all the time it is okay to do what is best for you. And sometimes what is best for you is that you need, you want to just take a job that pays the bills and it, whether it's part-time or full-time, but it pays the bills. And then you don't have the stress of having to make money from your music or from your business or having to make a certain amount um, because that can be stressful. Like own, be owning a business and being a business owner can be stressful at times. And so taking that stress off and also as a musician, thinking outside of the box, right? So thinking about, oh, you know, can I have this cool merch line? Or you see all of these big influencers and musicians doing jewelry and makeup and mm-hmm. perfume was a big thing for like the 2000s. Like, <laughs> like everyone's doing it alcohol brands they're getting into now right? like people have other business ventures and it's easy to think oh well they're just a rich celebrity and so they've a lot they're allowed yeah, to do a big team that handles it and they don't have to do it exactly but they're still doing it right like this is a stream of income for them and no matter what level of musician you're at you can start to think about those things as well like what are other ways i can make money that are tangential to my brand and to my business but might not literally be like me playing guitar and singing in order to bring in that revenue. So I think that's such a great way to end it. Before we wrap up, um, is there like any last final tip or words that you wanna give to the indie musicians out there and business owners who are listening and are like, all right, I'm ready to get my shit together with money. Let's do it. (laughs) I mean, let's do it. It's just do it. I mean, you just have to do it. Pink Noise started as a side hustle. It was, I just wanted, my goal with Pink Noise was I want to make $500 a month to pay a car payment. I wanted a new car. Mm. I just need $500 a month. Let me do some people's books for 500 bucks a month. That's all I have to make. And it morphed into a, what it is now. So you just have to do it. You did, Whatever idea you have, even if it sounds like, I just want to make $100 selling my course or doing a, a lesson or Um, I have a musician. She actually, her side hustle on top of being a musician is she does um, personal styling. She Mm -hmm. sells people who come to her who might've lost a lot of weight or just don't know what to do with their style. They want to change it up. And she will put together a personal style plan. Again, she does music full time, but then she can do this side hustle that makes her a little bit of extra money to help pay your bills. Yeah. You know, think of the things you're good at do those things and just do them and don't give up right away. Cause you, I think I always say, do something for three months, three months gives you some time to see if someone, if, if it's, if it'll start taking off or a little bit, even a tiny bit, if you go from one customer to three, that's, that's growth. Keep doing it. Yeah. Um, but keep just doing those things. And if it doesn't work, no big deal, try the next thing and go run with that. But you, you just have to do it instead of sitting around going, I should do this. I feel like I should do this. I would be good at this. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. 
just do it. I'll set up late at night at 10 p.m. and I'll be doing random things at 10 p.m. because I, you just have to get it out into the universe and start doing it so you can see if it's working. And if it's not, move on to the next thing. And if it is, put some more energy into it. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about that. That's such good advice. Um, you know, don't get in your own way. Just mm. try, just try things, get yourself out there. Um, yeah, I wanted to say too, that, uh, when I took my first tax job, it was in January of 2009 and it, that was the beginning of a recession Well, kind of in the middle of the recession. And I didn't expect to stay in tax. I just needed to pay rent in January in Chicago. So I was like, sure, I'll answer the phones, whatever. I'm only going to be here for four months. And now it is 13 years later and I'm still doing taxes because I had an open mind about the ways that I can help the industry that I'm passionate about. And I didn't know, I never would have known I was good at taxes if I hadn't started, if I hadn't taken that job, if I hadn't gone on that interview, oh no, I can't come to an interview at a tax office. I'm a, I'm a music marketing person. I was just like, eh, well, I, I really, really, really need some money. So if you're willing at the time I got $13 an hour, you know, and I was like, hell yeah, that's amazing because yeah. it was so much compared to what I was getting in music. And, um, I got hooked and my musician friends were coming to me and saying, can you do my taxes? And I'm like, well, I can't, but they can. And then once I saw the actual tax form, I was like, oh, I could do this. This is so easy, you know? So like have an open mind about the opportunities that come toward you. Maybe you can't see the path of how this thing links to your big dream, but the universe is giving you exactly what you need. And if you pick up on those signs and you go with your gut and ask the universe for help, they're going to drop things in your lap that move you closer and closer and closer to where you want to be listen to your gut, release the shame, know that you're worthy, stay strong in your resolve and stay true to yourself and your integrity and talk to other people about it. Um, one thing that I did want to add was like Chloe was talking about wage transparency. I would love to see gig income transparency mm. of realistically, I would love to see a spreadsheet band, venue, ticket price, take home across the board. If we could make that, Ari Herstand right now is making one of those. It's like an anonymous record deal uh, spreadsheet drop, basically. It's like everybody's going in and putting in what their record deal was because nobody talks about that either. Yeah, it's but true. Like, yeah, and people think record deals, oh, I'm just going to get this giant chunk of money and then be like set for life. And no. nobody actually talks about like how much are people actually getting how far does that yeah. go what does that look like that's really and yeah. dance, you have to pay it back at most of the time anyway yeah. literally that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what people don't talk about oh i got a record deal i'm like bond it's like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay but like eighty thousand of it went to making that record and you still yeah. have to pay it back and maybe 20 went to your living expenses while you were making that record but yeah yeah. So talk to each other about how much you're making at gigs. Talk to each other about how much you're paying your players, you know, talk to each other about what you're paying for merch versus what you're selling. That should always be at least 50%, whatever you paid for it, double it. Your fans might appreciate a deal, but you, don't need, that. <laughs> you don't need to, you don't need to lose money to make people happy. You don't, you don't have to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. And 
when it comes to merchandise, a lot of people are not pricing their merchandise high enough. I, it like makes my stomach flip over when I pay $25 for a vinyl, because I know that it was 15 or 17 to get it. And that the profit margin is small on those, especially now with all the shipping and everything, it's gone up significantly over the last year. Um, but yeah, so talk to people, let's have more transparency in the music industry about what people are getting paid. What are you charging for lessons? What are you charging for merch? Talk to each other so much that it's annoying. (laughs) Um, you know, my friends know that I'm the person that always talks about money. And sometimes I, I have shame about that. I'm like, Oh God, I talk about money too much. I wish I could talk about like something that's less heavy, you know, but, but then it makes me feel good when I help people. So, you know, just communicate and educate. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. I love it. That's perfect way to end. So can you just both let us know real quick where we can keep up with you, follow you and work with you? Chloe, you first. Yeah, uh, you can work with me with Pink Noise. Uh, Pink Noise MGMT is my branding everywhere. Instagram, Pink Noise MGMT. Websites, pinknoisemgmt.com. And then my name, Chloe Cherko. My tags are everywhere as well. Uh, Best way to reach me, honestly, is email. (laughs) I'm an old lady, but um, email, Instagram, and through the website are the best ways to ever get a hold of me. And I'm generally pretty quick. And I'm always happy to talk to people, even for free. Don't feel people will say like, oh, they'll send me an Instagram note. I really want to like to talk to you about this, but like how much do you charge? And like, I don't have any money. Um, Don't be afraid. Yes, I do have charging options, but I also am happy to just, you know, bounce some ideas or give you some tips or, you know, I, I'm here to help in any way. So any way you can find me, I'm there. And and I usually am pretty quick to communicate back. Awesome. And Stephanie. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Chloe. I am her VP of operations. So if you reach out to her, I will be notified of it. You know, if you make an appointment with Chloe, it'll come through on my calendar too. So I'm right there with her. I also have a podcast and an education series that I'm, I'm currently rebranding. So stay tuned for September. I'm kind of in like a flux position, but it's called when songs mean business, it will continue to be called when songs mean business. And I'm going to be offering some really basic self-employment skills, worksheets and courses. And Chloe and I are going to have music business minute every week on the podcast where we just kind of like deep dive into what's going on in the financial world of the music business. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can find me at pink noise. Are you on Instagram? I'm at stuff Belcher and when songs mean business, my website is stuffbelcher.com or you could also, you know, find me through pink noise. Awesome. Thank you both so much for coming on today. Yes. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.